Hi, everyone. You're listening to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is episode number three, recorded on September 3rd, 2011. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching Skills for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahopiak. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills so they can influence the success of others, their organizations, and themselves. Whether you're a seasoned leader or you're leading people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. Today's topic, why teaching adults is different than teaching kids. Well, welcome to the third episode. It is Labor Day weekend here in the United States, and although the official end to summer is a few weeks away, this weekend always feels like the end of summer to many of us. Since kids are getting back to school, colleges and universities are back in session, and it's really a natural time to be thinking about learning and improving oneself. And plus, in addition, when we think about corporate America and business, summer vacation is over (laughs) for many people here in in North America, and it's a time that many organizations are working to be as productive as possible before the holiday season begins just a few months away. And I know it seems like a ways away now, but uh, you know Thanksgiving is just you know what nine or ten weeks away at this point. So it's a time for leaders to coach. It's a time for people to learn. Whether you're in a university system, whether you're in a nonprofit organization, or whether you're in a business, it's essential that we utilize this time of the year to be as effective as possible. And so today. We're going to take a look at how teaching adults is different than teaching kids. And what are, we, what are some of the assumptions that we make about how to teach and coach people that we may have learned a long time ago, but are not the correct assumptions when we are leading and coaching people, and particularly when we're leading and coaching adults. So we're going to jump into that and look at a couple of key areas that we want to keep in mind and also some assumptions that may not be correct. And as you're listening, as you have questions about anything that uh, I mentioned in this episode here or any comments or questions about coaching skills going forward, uh, give me a call and leave a message on our voicemail. Would love to hear your comments and questions, and I will be sure to address them here in a future episode, and I will get back to you. The number to reach me at is 877-LEARN-45. So again, that's 877-LEARN-45, or you can email to feedback at innovatelearning.com. So again, that's feedback at innovatelearning.com, not innovative learning, happens a lot, innovatelearning.com. So let's take a look first at how teaching fits into coaching. So you'll remember from the last episode, episode number two, our guest Matt Ross was very kind to come in studio and um, really demonstrate uh, with me how that from acronym works, how to really engage someone before you start the coaching process, to understand what they are planning to do in the future, how that compares with their current reality, what obstacles that they may be facing currently or in the future, and then what does that mean to them? And so you saw the first part of that 
in the conversation with Matt. And that's really our first step anytime that we're coaching somebody is we, before we start coaching and teaching and helping the person learn is we really want to understand where they're coming from first. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, go back, listen to that first. So that'll give you a good feel for how to approach this conversation. But then step two is starting to make a plan. So now that we know more about that person, their background, what some of their future goals are, what obstacles they're going to face, we're going to make a plan and and then utilize that plan to teach them new skills and to coach them and give feedback. And we're going to be covering a lot of this in the next several episodes. But uh, But before even getting there, there's some overall principles to keep in mind when we're talking about coaching and teaching adults. And in order to really look at this holistically, I'm pulling out a a book that is one of the most well-known books in the adult learning industry. And those of us who teach adults a lot and, uh, and study this have utilized this book as really a touchstone for how we approach adult learning and adult coaching. And if you're someone that is going to be coaching and teaching people, and if you're going to be working with adults and many people who are listening to this this show are, this is really a good resource for you to know about. And the book is called The Adult Learner, and it's by a gentleman named Malcolm Knowles. And it's also by two other authors, Elwood Holton and Richard Swanson. And this book just came out with its seventh edition this year. So it has been through a number of editions and revisions. And I'll tell you up front, this is not a, a book that you would pick up on a Friday night and uh, go through and do some kind of fun, easy reading, page turning. It is a heavy, heavy theoretical book. It's an excellent book, but it gets pretty in-depth in a lot of learning theory. So rather than go through kind of that in-depth learning theory, I thought we'd uh, I thought today I'd give you just kind of a high level view of what are some of the key things that we want to keep in mind with being able to coach and teach adults. And uh, Knowles really comes out in this book and says, hey, if if you keep in mind kind of six general things that will help you to be as effective as possible. And by the way, Malcolm Knowles passed away about 15 years ago, and the there's new editions of the book still coming out. I, I think one of the ways you know if you've made it in the publishing and the academic world is if uh, after you pass away that there are people who uh, still take your ideas and publish books under your name. Uh, that That's when you'd know you've made it. And I think it's a great example of how valuable this information really is. So first of all, before jumping in, Let's define two terms. You're going to hear these terms used when you hear people talking about teaching and coaching adults. And these two terms are called pedagogy and andragogy. And uh, so uh, now I'm not big on huge vocabulary words, but these are two that you should know. And what these two words mean, pedagogy first, is the art of teaching kids. And the Greek translation for this word literally means child leading. So it's the the art and the process of being able to teach children. Andragogy, which was a term that uh, Knowles kind of first made popular, is the uh, is the process of teaching adults and the self-concept of adults being responsible for themselves. And the literal Greek translation is man leading. Uh, apologies, ladies, the Greeks were not known for their gender inclusiveness on their uh, language, their ancient Greeks, rather. So uh, andragogy is the really the process of 
How do we coach and lead and teach adults? You can't teach adults the way that you teach kids. Now, you may be thinking, listening to this, well, why, why is he talking a lot about kids? After all, isn't this a coaching sh- show for leaders? Well, the reason I'm talking a little bit about children here up front is that as coaches, there's a tendency for us to fall back on what we've seen all our lives and we remember from school. So when we start to think about coaching and teaching others and being able to um, really help people to learn, we think back to what we've always seen. We may have attended university. We may have, I uh, think back to our high school curriculum. We may think to training classes that we've seen. And unfortunately, m- many, and I, I wouldn't, I would even go as far as to say most classes, uh, higher education training, most programs of learning in certainly in, in the States and North America, and I would suspect around the world, are still really focusing a lot on pedagogy, which is the art of teaching kids, even though they're teaching adults. And unfortunately, it just often doesn't work. And you, if you've uh, been in the, uh, you know, in the business of learning and trying to improve yourself and for any length of time, you have been to classes where you've gone there and boy, you know, you just didn't see the importance of what you were learning. You didn't see how it was going to apply to your life. It didn't tie into your experience. It wasn't the right time for the material. There's so many things that can go wrong when we're really trying to teach and coach well. So Noel sets out an uh, an agenda for us, really, and says, hey, there's six assumptions that um, you want to consider when you're thinking about andragogy, which is how to teach adults, essentially. And so I'm going to walk through these six assumptions. And these are six things that if you're uh, if you're in the business of coaching people, if you really want to improve people and you want to help adults to learn and to grow, these are six things that you absolutely want to keep in mind. And if you can keep these six things in the front of your mind, it will help you to be a dramatically more effective coach and, as a result, a much more effective leader. So here's the six. The first one is what Knowles calls the need to know. And what he says is that adults need to know why something is important before they learn it. Now, this is different than kids. You know, kids learn something because the teacher or instructor says that they need to and says that it's important. And those those of you in the audience who are parents know that sometimes you uh, teach your children something because it's important and you tell them it's important and they go along with that. Well, That's not so true for adults. Uh, Adults don't tend to want to learn something just because someone says it's important. They need to understand themselves why it's important before they learn it. Case in point, uh, my experience taking a class in my graduate school program. uh, One of the classes that I needed to take, and I've actually taken a series of classes in my, uh, my academic tenure on statistics. And I am not a math person. Uh, I can do math okay, but when it comes to statistics, it's just a whole nother level of thinking that I never really mastered. I know I could get good at it if I really wanted to, but it's not something I ever really mastered. So I already am walking in with kind of that feeling of, you know, this isn't really something that I, I want to learn or I feel that I can be very confident with. Well, my uh, in my most recent program, I had to take a class in statistics as part of the program. And so Uh, As I was taking this class, one of the things they were talking about is quantitative statistics, how to really analyze research and analyze numbers and to be able to understand what's happening. 
uh, when you're doing a study uh, using numbers. And from the very almost the beginning of this class, I, I knew that the study that I was going to do at the end of this program was going to be qualitative. And by qualitative, what I mean is really, uh, you know, people's stories and their experiences and their responses to questions. I, I was reasonably sure that I wasn't going to be doing numbers-based research. And so the entire time I was in the class and I was learning all of these tools and resources for how to really process numbers and how to process statistics effectively, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, you know, I'm never going to use this. Realistically, I'm never going to have a job where I'm going to be crunching statistics. I'm certainly not going to likely use it in my dissertation study. And I did what a lot of us do when we're in those situations where we don't really understand the importance of why we're learning something. I did what I needed to do to get by in the class. So I learned the tools and the equations and the uh, studied the pieces that I knew were going to be important to do the papers, to do the assignments, and I did very well in the class. But if you went back and asked me today uh, that you know 12 or 15 weeks that I spent taking that statistics class several years ago, uh, what I remember, uh, it would be very little, and I assure you I would not do well on any of the papers or assignments that I had in that class. And it's not because I'm not an intelligent person, at least I don't think that's the reason. It's because it wasn't important to me. And you know what? It's still not important to me. And so as a coach, you need to help make the connection for someone, for someone that you're coaching and that you're teaching is why is what that you're learning important for you? How is it important for the person that you're leading? And if it's not clear to that person why it's important, it's, it's certainly likely that they'll go along with it. And if you're the coach, if you're the leader, you know people are going to go along with it, but they may not be nearly as motivated as they would be if they really understood the connection for why what they're learning is important before they start learning it. So that's a key thing for us to remember as coaches is to spend time with folks up front that we're coaching is to really have some conversation about what's the importance of the skill and how does it connect to what you're doing. And I know that if someone had really spent some time with me on the front end of my statistics class and pointed out that if I could really learn this well and master using mastered some of these quantitative tools that I could actually make my job a lot easier when I did my study and a lot faster. And in fact, I would have if I had learned those tools, but I didn't really appreciate that up front. So something for us to remind ourselves of as coaches is to really help to make that connection for people. Now, this brings us to the second assumption that, that we want to keep in mind, which is the learner's self-concept. And what I mean by that is that we want to be responsible for the progression of our own lives. Adults want to have that internal responsibility, that motivation for the progression of how their lives are going to go and how their careers are going to go. And, you know, this is not true for kids so much. Kids are dependent on a parent or a teacher. Adults generally are not. Adults want to have control over how things are going to progress for them, or at least some aspects of control. And as an example right now, I have a client that I'm working with um, who is in an organization that uh, really does not do this well at all. And she often has meetings with uh, mentors and leaders in her, in her organization. 
And they make a lot of assumptions about what's the right path for her. And they have her career path kind of mapped out. And uh, and they've pretty much just set the agenda for what's going to happen. And now part of that's just the industry that she's in. But unfortunately, uh, you know, she doesn't have a lot of say so in what's going to happen and what's going to be the next step and how she can be creative in her career. And as a result, she's she's not at all happy in her work. And ultimately, her company will lose her at some point and probably not too distant future because they haven't taken the time to really connect with her and to help her take ownership for her career path as well. So one thing that we really need to remember as coaches is that people want to, adults in particular, want to be responsible for the progression of their careers. They want to have ownership. They want to have creativity to be able to create the career path for them. And if we can't provide that as a coach or a leader, they will likely look for somewhere else that will. So it's essential that we really focus in on how can we help that person have ownership for the things that they're doing and the importance to them. And if we follow that from model that we learned in episode two, that will certainly help us to start getting there. We want to be keeping that in mind throughout the coaching and learning process. Now, this brings us to Noel's third step, which is the role of the learner's experiences. Now, kids, when you're teaching kids, they don't have a lot of life experiences yet. And that's one of the wonderful blessings of working with children is they are such sponges. They're so excited to learn. They're so excited to grow. And adults, on the other hand, have a lot more experiences. Now, that that can create some obstacles because adults have learned certain patterns of how that how they are going to approach the world and some of the skills and tools they have. But one of the other great blessings that that provides as a coach is adults have experiences that you can help tie into in order to help coach them and to help teach them. Case in point, I went to my optometrist this week, and I hadn't had my eyes checked in a couple of years. I wear glasses. And so I was talking with him about my prescription and, you know, they did all the eye tests. And those of you who've been to optometrists kind of know how that goes. And at some point in the conversation, we were talking about what I do for activity. And I mentioned that I was a runner. And so we we're talking about running for a few minutes. And then when I was at the end of the appointment, my doctor said, well, your prescription has changed slightly, not significantly. So you could get new lenses for your glasses if you'd like to, but you don't have to. And so, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to know is like, well, you know, should I, is it, you know, is it worth the investment? And so I asked him, I said, if, um, you know, if I don't get new glasses now, cause you know, it's an investment to get new lenses, uh, you know, am I going to be okay? Am I going to hurt my eyes by wearing the current set of glasses that I have, even though the prescription isn't perfect, but it's close. And he said, well, think about it like you're running. You know, if you go out for a run and you're running and you're not carrying anything with you. It's, you know, the run's pretty easy. It, uh, it goes smoothly and you're not overworking your body. He said, now think about it if you put a 10 pound pack on your back and then went running for the same amount of distance with just 10 pounds on your back. He said, you would still be able to do it. He says, you're not going to hurt your body, assuming you're, you're doing everything right ergonomically. But he said, you're, you're going to work your body harder and unnecessarily. He said this, that the exact same thing is true for your eyes. If your prescription's a little bit off, 
He said, it's not going to hurt your eyes, but you're just working your eyes unnecessarily so it could tire you out faster. And I remember thinking as he was saying that, I was like, what a, what a genius response for two reasons. One, the analogy was great because I understood very clearly what he was saying because of the analogy he used. But the other thing that I really appreciated about it is he had put a mental note in his brain somewhere at some point in the appointment when we had talked about running that I was a runner and that that was an experience that I could relate to and something that I could understand. And then when I had a question later on in the appointment, he utilized my experience as a runner and created an analogy which helped me as a learner to understand exactly what he was saying. And I think as coaches that that's something that if we can take the time to understand the background of the people that we are coaching and leading and understand the things that are important to them, the things that they have experiences with, the things that they've gone through a development path on before, we can utilize those tools to help the person to learn effectively. And those experiences help tie us in to be able to help that person learn new tools and new skills. So it gets back to the importance of what we talked about last week with Matt Ross is really understanding a person's background. And if we can understand that, boy, it's, it's so much easier for us to make great connections with the people that we're coaching. Now, this brings us to number four, which is the readiness to learn. So adults need timing that's going to correspond with their developmental tasks. Now, again, with kids, the timing's up to the parent or the teacher. You know, the teacher says, here's, here's, this is the time to learn this skill. A parent says, this is the time I'm going to teach you how to do this. With adults, it's not that easy. The timing really needs to correspond with the importance of utilizing that tool and resource. And if the timing's not right, the motivation of the person who's learning that new skill is not going to be there nearly as much. Uh, an example of this is... I've done, uh, I've done a lot of teaching over the years for the Dale Carnegie organization, and uh, one of the classes I've taught is a presentation skills class. And during that class, one resource that we teach people how to do is we teach them how to use a, uh, an organized outline to give a toast to someone or to give recognition to someone or if someone's receiving an award or a promotion, or a retirement party, of how to get up and basically give a toast or give a speech. And I also have mentioned a couple of times during uh, teaching that module of that class that uh, in addition to using it for all of those business reasons, that you could also use that type of tool to give a toast at a wedding. And I've often said to people, you could even use this tool to give a eulogy. And on a couple of occasions in classes, I've actually had people who have, you know, tried that out to use it as a as a eulogy at a uh, in a funeral or memorial service. And but generally, people don't jump into that because it's not relevant to them at the time. They're not thinking about that when they're attending a business class. Well, it was probably about uh, about three or four years ago, a gentleman that I had worked with and who had been a participant in one of those classes uh, called me up one day, and I remember I was at a conference in Chicago. And he said, Dave, you know, I I think I didn't, he left me a message. He said, Dave, if you could call me back today, I'd really appreciate it. He said, I I know I took that class from you, you know, a year or two ago. And I remember when you were talking about that one tool we learned on how to give people feedback and how to recognize people. And you said during that, 
during that class that you could utilize that that outline as a tool for giving a eulogy. And he said, my, my father-in-law just passed away and I was incredibly close with him and the service is tomorrow and I've been asked to give a eulogy and I, I just have no idea where to start. But I knew that you would know and I knew that there was a tool out there that would work and I need your help. And so sure enough, I called him back. We ended up talking over the phone for about 30 minutes and walked through the tool and how he could apply it to utilize it for the eulogy. And he just did a phenomenal job. Uh, he called me several days after the service and said, boy, that was that was incredible. I, I used that exact tool. People were coming up to me after the service and just saying what a wonderful job I had done. And I tell that story because it wasn't important to learn that tool until he needed it. And adults tend to approach the learning process that way is that unless it's something, unless our timing's right, you know, we may know there's a tool out there, a resource out there, but if we don't have the opportunity to put it into practice right away, a lot of times, you know, we bury it somewhere, we don't necessarily use it, or we don't really learn it. So one thing that we should be conscious of as coaches is if we want to really teach our, the people that we're leading, and we want to really help them improve their skill set, we want to focus on things that they can use and learn immediately, because if they have the opportunity to put it into practice immediately, they're going to get the opportunity to enhance and really solidify that skill almost right away. Fifth one is the orientation to learning. So Noel says that adults will learn to support what they think is going to help them in real life tasks. So one a great example of this, uh, I have a uh, one of my uh, professors who I uh, have at Pepperdine has a, a great example he uses for this. And I remember several years ago when I attended his class, he asked a whole group, you know, there's 25 of us who are doctoral students in this class. And he said, you know, think back to when you were in elementary school and think back to when you learned about Christopher Columbus sailing to America what were the names of the three ships that he sailed on? And so, you know, we all sort of think about it for a second. And I think about 80 or 90% of the class came up with the three names of the ship, uh, the ships that Columbus sailed on, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. And many of you listening to this, especially if you grew up here in, you know, America, will remember those names because it was and, and probably still is a part of the curriculum for kids and, and history in the United States, especially. And then he asked, well, you know, those three names other than maybe taking the quiz or the test when you were in third or fourth grade and learn them, what practical value has knowing those three names provided in your life up to this point? And of course there was silence because there's really no practical value that it provided to anyone in the room. And so The leader should be asking when we're teaching skills and tools to people is what real life practical value does what I'm about to teach provide the other person? And if we have a hard time as leaders answering that question, we should think twice about really spending the time and the resources to teach or coach on a new skill or a new process or a new procedure. Because if there's no practical value for the person that's learning that tool, the adult learner 
isn't going to support and put a lot of effort into learning that skill. Just like we don't put a lot of effort now into thinking about what are the three ships that Columbus sailed on to America. And and I'm not saying, by the way, we should go back and change all our uh, curriculums in elementary schools. But, you know, kids are learning things that are going to hopefully help them out in the long run. And they're learning how to learn. But adults need to really be learning things that are going to support what they think is going to help them in real life tasks. Now, finally... Noel's last one was motivation. Adults want some very important things that are different than what kids want. Kids, when they're learning, they're looking at their grades, their report cards, their awards, their recognition. And those are really important things when you're young and you're going through the learning process. Adults tend not to focus in on those things quite as much. Those things are still important for adults, but they, adults want job satisfaction. They want self-esteem. They want quality of life. And those are the things that are going to really motivate the adult learners that we're working with. And many of the people we coach in organizations are not thinking about, you know, how can I get 100% or, you know, how can I learn as much as possible or how much can I memorize? They're thinking about how does this tool that you're teaching me as a leader help to improve my job satisfaction? How does it help me to have a better quality of life here in the workplace and, oh, by the way, for my family as well? And one of the best books that I've read on this that covers this topic in great detail is a book called Drive by Daniel Pink. And if you are coaching people, this is a very important book to read because it talks about how we are all motivated in organizations and a lot of the assumptions that we make incorrectly about motivation. And one of the assumptions that we make incorrectly is that money money is a huge motivator for many people in organizations. And it is true that money will help us to perform better if the task we're performing is very, uh, it does not require a lot of creativity and it's a very rote, repetitive task. But as soon as we require higher level thinking of people, and as soon as we require people to be creative and to use decision-making, money in many cases, uh, research is showing that actually can harm performance. And if we're tying money to specific goals, it can actually be uh, an obstacle for us helping people to develop as effectively as possible. And Daniel Pink says that here's, here's some things that are really key and really important. If we want to motivate people, we should give them an appropriate level of autonomy. We should help them to learn how to master something. And we should give them and tie into the purpose for why they're doing it. And that goes right back to what we learned in episode two that from model. And so if you are, as a, as a coach, are able to focus on these six things of helping, you know, the need to know of helping adults to understand why something's important before learning. If you can tap into their, the learner self-concept and help them to be responsible for the progression of their own lives and their careers. If you can help tie into their experiences, just like my optometrist did, If you can really connect with them on the timing to give them tools and resources that are going to help them to be effective in putting into practice immediately in their lives, if you can help them to really uh, learn to support what they think is going to help them in real life tasks, and if you can help give them job satisfaction and build their self-esteem and create autonomy and mastery in the workplace, 
you will be operating on a much higher level than most people who teach and coach and lead are doing. So it's a these are critical, critical skills. So there will be an overview here on the website. So you can go over to innovatelearning.com and just take a look for episode number three, and you will see the notes for this show there, as well as the six things listed. I'll also have a link to the book and also the Daniel Pink book that I mentioned. And that's one way that you can stay connected with this show is to visit the website at innovatelearning.com. You'll see the episodes posted there. For those of you who use iTunes, take a look on iTunes and you can actually find the show and subscribe to it for free on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes store and search for coaching skills for leaders. That's how you'll continue to get future episodes. And then finally, we are on Facebook as well. On Facebook, just search for Innovate Learning and you will find us there and we'll continue to have episode updates and also other blogs and articles that I think will be helpful to you as a coach and a leader. And finally, I mentioned that you may have some questions or feedback about the show. I'd love to hear about what it is that you've been able to apply and utilize from what you've learned in the show and how it's helped you to be a better coach. And so you can reach out to me directly, leave us a message on our voicemail hotline. That's 877-LEARN-45. Or send feedback to our email address, feedback at innovatelearning.com. And for those of you here in the States who are picking this up after Labor Day weekend, hope you had a great Labor Day holiday. And I will see you back next week at this uh, same time next Monday for the fourth episode of Coaching Skills for Leaders. Thanks for listening and looking forward to staying in touch with you. Have a good week, everyone.